This is Owen Tinder Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Owen Tinder Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Call the Hollywood Dream podcast. I am here as ever with Ruth. Hello. Um, we are going to do a preview today on the Croatia and Hungary games as well as talk about the Wales women's game against New Zealand which is coming up on Tuesday next week. We're also going to talk about Newport and their heartbreak really in the playoff cup final and Swansea's continuing search for a manager. Um, we'll start with the squad for the, for the Wales game. Uh, against Croatia and Hungary, the most obvious talking point to start off with is probably the exclusion is the wrong word, um, but the omissions omission good word uh, <laughs> of Rambo and Ben Davis. Yeah, and Chester and Dummett as well. Who you know under normal circumstances you'd probably expect all four yeah. of them to be in the squad. Chester's been injured of late, a, a long time, a long time, and Dummett sounds like he's. Uh, I don't know. Can you shed some light on that? Well, I had an interesting back and forth with a few people on Twitter about this because normally I'm kind of quick to defend him. And from a club standpoint, I can see why he's done what he's done. But from a Wales standpoint, it's obviously a disappointment, especially at a time when Ben Davis Mm -hmm. isn't there. He played the last... I would say six games for us, but he didn't start all of those games. He was used as a sub or was in and out, depending on how we played. Because um, Newcastle had a few injuries themselves mm-hmm. on the back. So as a consequence to that, he had to fill in a centre-half, which is possibly where we'd need him for. Um, but the hamstring injury thing is legit. He had that for the last... I don't know. He was out for a solid period, like two months, right. with a hamstring injury before that and then was kind of used sparingly since. So I'm not sure if it's a genuine situation where he needs to rest it or he needs to have some surgery mm-hmm. done to it, whatever. However, he was capable of playing on it yeah. because he did. Um, but if you're going to take that angle, then Ben Davies is obviously capable of playing on his hernia. Probably shouldn't be. Um, and I can understand why he's limped through for his club Um and I guess it makes sense for him to go and see a specialist ASAP. Absolutely. Um, and the the recovery time from that shouldn't interfere with anything in the early fall. Um, so I, I think it's it's kind of get that out of the way and move onwards. Yeah. Particularly, you know, maybe even he had a conversation with Giggs and Giggs, you know, both of them were able to say, well, Taylor's form's all right at the minute. Yeah. If we're going to be without you for a couple of games... This might not be the worst window. Do it, yeah. yeah, no, that's true, and I do think, you know, sort of rightly so with Wales fans. He's, you know, kind of he's dug himself a hole with a lot of Wales fans, Paul Dummett, and it's going to be hard for him to get out. And stuff like this doesn't help his cause. Mm-hmm. But it is difficult, I think, at this time of year. You've had a long season, and particularly for a team like Newcastle, we spend a lot of time without the ball. He spends a lot of time running around after people. Um, you know, a hamstring injury is, is something you want to be wary of. Rambo's a perfect example. He was out, he's been out for what, I think eight weeks or so, maybe? It must be that much, yeah. Um, so, you know, it is a serious thing. It's not like something you can just kind of run off. So, I do think there's a, a feel of, I don't know, I, I don't want to say people are being harsh on him because I totally understand mm-hmm. it. And I do think there's an element of him thinking, 
I played against Trinidad in the last one. I didn't get a sniff in the in the real game. I'm probably not going to start either of these two games. But if he's thinking like the that, rest? then yeah, I mean, I'm just yeah. hypothesizing. I think, yeah, I think I don't know. I, I know, and I only say that because I feel like he's done that before. Yeah, I think it's a cry wolf situation. I think yeah. people feel like they've given him a bit of rope, and he's if he's not careful, you know, he's going to get tangled up in yeah. it in the end. I, the one thing I will say for gigs in all of this is I do th- I do think he's been quite. Uh, if you excuse the pun, black and white with a lot of things. Like I think if you if he wants to, we want to. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think he will kind of take this um, situation kind of going on much no. longer. From what I understand, he had a conversation with him when he got the job uh, gigs with Dummett, and I think that maybe there is a, a, a decent relationship there that perhaps there wasn't with Coleman. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is legit, and Giggs has kind of excused him yeah. for want of a better expression. Yeah. Okay. Um, but so, going back to missing Ramsey and Davies, yeah, um, I just I, you just pair them and pair their omission, and it brings back horrible memories, doesn't it? Really it? Does. Um, I think the difficulty we have when we're missing people of that quality historically the difficulty we have is do we have people that can replace them and I think we might not be able obviously I don't think we have anyone that quite can replace either of them from a quality point of view but we're not far off whereas you know a few years ago we were struggling to find replacements even even as long ago as 2016 it was only three years ago yeah and even in the games after that you look at any of those kind of what used to be our kind of magic three. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a lot in the last campaign. You know, when Joe Allen went off, there was no one who could replace him. When we missed Ramsey in other games, there was no one who could replace him. And the same with Bale. Whereas this time, I don't know, I, to say I'm not bothered is obviously a lie because he's definitely our best <laughs> sort of number eight, number 10 type player. Um, but whilst Brooks is not as good as him, He's certainly a very, very, very good player. Yeah. And I don't think, as it has in years gone by, like you said, it detracts from the squad a bit. Because for the first time, possibly in my whale supporting life, we are actually having to have a conversation around who would replace him. Mm-hmm. But not who could we shoehorn in that role. Who can we actually replace this player with? Um, and there are players like Wilson. Uh, Brooks can play there. Um I know Tyler Roberts is injured, but he could probably play there. Bale could drop back then. Mm-hmm. We could have Vokes up front. So there are a, a, a lot of options in, in terms of what we can do to replace them. Yeah, it isn't the panic that it might have been two two or three years yeah, ago even. Exactly. Um, and I think the fact that we played without Aaron at, in March against uh, Slovakia and played well means, you know, we've got... Oh, that definitely makes a difference. We've got a scenario and a format we're, we're not quite as reliant on on him and Bale as we might have been previously. No, I think that's a fair point. And I think being reliant on them was definitely our downfall in the last campaign. Like we talked about that again, we got that Ireland game, for example. Um, and we, we don't, I don't feel like we have that same problem this time round. So I think it's a big bonus to our, to our team that we have that strength and depth so that dropping and losing a player like that, sorry, mm-hmm. is, is not the end of the world. 
I still I still would feel a lot more confident going into the Croatia game, especially with someone like him playing. Oh, I don't disagree. You look at the, the quality of their team. I mean, they've got their injuries themselves, yeah. but the quality of their team, you'd want to be putting out your best 11. Yeah. And he's clearly in our best 11. Yeah. And you don't, they both are. And you don't want to be without players of that quality if you can't help it. I just think we're in a different place now than we might have been previously in terms of how we can deal with that. Absolutely. And in a, in a bizarre way, I feel like it almost gives us because we can't play with him we have to be more inventive in the way we set up and the style of play we use and everything else which almost plays into our hands a little bit because we're going to have to drop probably one of Lawrence Brooks James and Wilson um so it kind of gives us a bit more fluidity and a bit and a few more options um off the bench as well which is something we haven't had in a long time um so obviously I'm you know, I'm trying to make the best of a bad situation here. I'm not saying that it's good that he's not playing, but I also don't think it's the catastrophe it was against Portugal, mm-hmm. for example. Um, the other other people I wanted to talk about of the inclusions, we'll get on to people like uh, someone like Ethan Ampadu in a moment. But I was really interested by George Thomas um, particularly, but also Ben Williams and. Uh, Dylan Levitt as well as Kiefer Moore mm-hmm. as well um, I was surprised that they that a couple of them were in there I, I, whether they'll make the final 23 or not is a is a different matter um, George Thomas is the one because looking at it he's been on loan from Leicester at Scunthorpe this year he's been playing League One football mm-hmm. I know he's a winger um, he's only scored three goals in 37 appearances and I guess you know he's still young I think he's 22 I guess that Giggs wants to get those younger players in and around the squad as much as he can. And to be fair, he actually did all right against Trinidad, I suppose. But we have a lot of quality in those sort of areas. So I was quite surprised to see him in. Yeah, I want. I think at this point, I wonder whether the five, you know, does Giggs know he's 23 and the extra five are more like, well, who made an effort in Portugal? Who Who yeah. put in the work? Who deserves another second look at this stage. Um, I mean, that's the purpose of that of that training camp, is for people to percolate up, isn't it, that might not have uh, be immediately on your radar. Uh, I think I think Thomas would be one of the one of my five that wouldn't make the twenty three, yeah, if I'm honest. Fair, yeah. um, and I think it's interesting the way they've listed some of the players. Like Ampadu, it seems to be kind of grouped with the defence in was that like list. He the first name after he? the goalkeepers, I and thought And then, whereas Thomas seems to be with the strikers as well. So um, whether they are looking at him, and, and that's a little bit how he played. Not, well, perhaps not against Trinidad, but it was, he was pushing forward at least, wasn't he? Yeah, it was he? a wide forward. Yeah, a wide guess, forward, yeah. Way, um, so maybe they they're thinking that, you know, perhaps if we want someone playing just behind a striker, you're chasing a game, last 15 minutes, yeah. you need to be able to effectively go, almost go to a four-four-two kind of arrangement. Is he an option for yeah. that, maybe? I, I mean, he could be. I mean, not. I, I don't think now. No. But certainly longer term. And I think looking at longer term is why Dylan Levitt is obviously coming. Mm-hmm. He's obviously got connections at Manchester United, so, yeah. and that's where he's playing. I think he's like playing for their under-18s. So he's played in their under twenty three. Oh, really? Despite how young he is, um, how old is he? 
He's like 18, I think. I, think I, I, can, I, I can look that up. Doing my my miniature research that I have here. He's still he's still part of the under right, he is 19s for us, isn't he? He played in the under 19s elite yeah. round games. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to me that he's kind of jumped up mm-hmm. that level. But again, that's someone who gigs, I would imagine, just by his inclusion, yeah. someone he's very much looking for for the future. And I, th- and I suppose central midfield is an area where we've talked about before, we're not blessed with depth a huge amount. So um, again, maybe that's some something to think about. Yeah, I mean, I think if you've got a lad that's still qualified for the under-19s, is is making the Man U under-23s. Nicky Butts, obviously, in got a relationship with gigs i'm sure they're talking about yeah. him um i think i think that's a sign he's that you know that we're getting to a point where we've got a little bit of a conveyor belt yeah. and here's another lad hopping on yeah that's that's only good and it works i guess I, I, the only thing i did think is that maybe i was a little surprised that he given that the 21s have games mm-hmm. this week that he didn't go to the 21s after the portugal camp yeah because it was interesting they kept nathan broadhead back with the 21s, yeah. didn't they? I mean, and he's been Everton's, not quite sure what the title is, but like player of the year for yeah. that for that age group. So I think it was interesting that they sent him back with the 21s, yeah. but didn't didn't send Levitt. Perhaps it shows just how much gigs rates him, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but it yeah, might be a positional thing as well. Yeah, yeah. and I think that and yeah. I think that definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. We like we talked about that a lot on the last one. I think in terms of our depth or relative lack of it in midfield and why Volks could end up playing a, a big role. Mm. Um, so that does make sense, I suppose. Um, Johnny Williams is someone else I wanted to speak about because we love Johnny Williams, um, <laughs> but also his end-of-the-season run has just been brilliant. He's had a real positive impact on Charlton, and I thought when he came on in the playoff final, he really made an mm. impact. Like He really ran, uh, ran at Sunderland and kind of made them scared. Absolutely hilarious how that all happens as a Newcastle <laughs> fan, can I add. There is someone who follows us uh, who is a Sunderland fan, so I apologise in advance. We do have a little bit of back and forth sometimes, but um, that was really funny. Anyway, um, I thought he was brilliant when he came on, and he really seems like he's turned the corner after his injuries. Because you know when he played for Sunderland and, and before that, he was kind of in and out of teams. Mm. and He was out for a while soon after he joined Sunderland, I think, um, with a shoulder problem and... To see him back playing football regularly, he's really showed what he's capable of. Yeah. So I'm really happy for him. Yeah, and I think hopefully he's in a position to push forward. It sounds like there's some interest for some other League One Swansea teams. apparently interested okay. in the Championship as well. Okay, so that would be, sorry, Championship level yeah. teams, and that um, well, that would be an interesting move. Yeah, it'd be that'd be a good move for him. Yeah, I think, I think so. Suit their style, and I think from an international point of view, his ability to run at people and scare them and draw free kicks. Is a huge asset oh, for us. Yeah. I think he did that. I, I remember thinking that when he first got on the pitch, mm-hmm. within the first thirty seconds, he broke past someone and got pulled back, and that's the difference he can make. Yeah. Um, do you think he'll make the final twenty-three? He, I think so. Uh, sorry, I don't think so because I think. <laughs> I <like> sorry, that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Just because I think we've got so many people who can play in midfield. Um, with the pace I think where he might make it is if Dan James doesn't, doesn't. because of the situation with his dad's yeah. funeral and, and that obviously family stuff that he's having to deal with then I think that might open up some spaces no that's then. fair yeah. that makes sense I I think he might get there mm-hmm. Um, I think 
and we'll talk about Ampadu in a sec, but I think I'm not sure Ampadu myself, I'm not sure he'll go. I think from what I've seen and read, I think he'll be part of this setup now and the training and everything that goes with it after the Europa League final. But then I don't actually think he'll play. I think he's gone on the basis that he can train and be part mm-hmm. of the group, but is not kind of match ready. Plus, personally, I don't think there's... I don't think he can play in those games. I think he's... Because he's not played and he's not demonstrated enough to push someone else out of yeah. their place at the minute. Um, you mean, you look at how Vokes has played in that position when we've used him. Yeah. You've got Alan, you've got uh, Matt Smith. They're probably all three of them. Well, they're definitely all three of them ahead of Ampadu yeah. in, my, in my view. Um, and then even, at the moment, obviously. At the moment, yeah. And then yeah. If, if you look at him for centre-back role... Again, I think Giggs obviously puts store in people playing and I think the centre-back might be the the key place where you need to be in form and you need to be like match-ready. Um, so I think he's perhaps even less likely to be within the group from that position. That's interesting, actually, because of the way it all works, depending on how we set up, and again, we'll talk more about specifics with Croatia mm-hmm. and Hungary in a minute, but depending on how it all works, were we to play a five at the back... I would actually prefer him to be in there than I would Ashley Williams. Because Ash has not been playing you know, regularly himself of late either. Um, and obviously with no Chester, mm-hmm. no Dummett, of the two of them, I think I would rather play Ampadu in a back three than I would Ash. I wonder whether they might um, play Gunts as a kind of... Right hand side. Oh God, no! Oh God, he's barely played either as well for Reading. A minute ago, we were top of the world talking about depth, and now look at us. Now we're struggling. We're screwed. Oh God, we're going to lose. Um, no, I, I don't think I, I, I don't know. I don't think Giggs will do that. Pure. The only thing, the only my after now to argue with myself. My only other comment I would say is. If he has, if he does go as part of the twenty-three, mm-hmm. then there is no point in going unless he's capable of playing. Which means, in my opinion, were we to play a back five against Croatia, then I think he might play him in one game, and it be that Croatia game as a centre as a holder mid. Uh, sorry, as a centre back, but as someone who can push forward, bring the ball out. Yeah, I just I'm I'm not sure Giggs is ready to gamble on that. I mean, I know what you're saying, but relatively speaking, playing an Ash would be a bit of a gamble. I know he's got the experience and everything, but in terms of form and and everything else. So it's just, so we're just pointing in Mepham then? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, Mep's just playing on his own. <laughs> uh, no, I think, it, you know, realistically, I think that it's 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 worth a gamble if we do play at the five of the back. I, I don't think we will, mm-hmm. but... On a personal level, I would I would do that over Ash myself. Right. But realistically, like I say, I, I don't think we will. No, I think we're more likely to basically be the same team as we put out in March and just tailor in for Davies. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, is there anyone else we wanted to talk about? Oh, yeah. Um, Kiefer Moore, I wanted to just make a quick mention of. Um, because this is brings us to kind of a wider point. He scored 17 goals in League One for Barnsley this year. 31 games, and he's obviously helped them get promoted. A lot of chat that he was a bit of interest. He might even be moving to Bristol City 
um, in the championship, which would be an interesting move because they've been they've been in quite good form, mm-hmm. uh, Bristol City. Um, so there's obviously interest in in what he's capable of doing. He's still relatively young. He's 26. Um, he looks to me like he could be the kind of a Sam Vokes replacement, but with a few more goals in him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's big, strong. He's like he's similar, like. I was going to say six eight. He's probably not six, six eight. But he's, big, he's more a big like six lad. four, six five. Um, and he but, looks yeah. well built, but he can move. He's very mobile. Uh, from what I've seen of him, so I'm interested in in the possibility of him being in the in the squad. Although it does raise a kind of larger, wider point to me that I wanted to mention. I know we've talked about it before about having a lot of non Wales, non Welsh, sorry, born players sort of almost drafted into the system mm-hmm. um, and I just wanted to know what you how you felt about that it's a difficult one isn't it because you know at face value you'd want to put out the best 11 players you can um, but I do think that it's in our own interests to develop and promote and sort of track the under 16s under 18s you know all the way all the way through um what was interesting was is of the um players that gigs took to portugal there was seven players who hadn't been involved in the senior squad in one way or another and more is the only one that hasn't had some involvement with the underage groups in right. one way or another um I mean, some of it is pretty loose. Like, you know, Terry Taylor is kind of playing for Scotland and for us and changing his mind. But then Brooks did exactly that. So, you know. um, Brooks did come through our... Mostly through us. A little bit. Mostly through our system, yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was interesting that of the seven, Moore's the only one that's actually a kind of late arrival without some age group experience. Um, So on that basis, we are still, it seems you know, tracking Oshan Roberts's kind of conveyor belt yeah. there, um, leaning on Rob Page and, you know, pulling them through. I think given our um, Spartan offerings at striker, I think it would be silly not to look at someone who's who's scoring at the rate you were describing yeah. for a, clearly a competitive team. Um in a hard league where you've, you know, you you got to make something out of nothing, uh, which, you know, might be more akin to international football than perhaps yeah. we like to admit. No, that's true. Um, so on that basis, I think we're about getting the balance right, really, in terms of putting out the net and, you know, finding out whose who's grandmother is from, you know, I don't know. Tonguin Lice. Yes, particularly from Tonguin Lice. <laughs> um, versus just relying on the Swansea Academy, which we seem to be doing yeah. a little bit of as well. Um, so we've got to spread the net wider. Uh, preference, I'd, I'd always, it was rather a lad that's, you know, we've invested in and developed and pulled through. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to say no to the likes of Vokes or more, where they've clearly got something to offer. Yeah. No, that's true. I think it becomes difficult for me, and I'll to use the example that I've often championed, someone like Paul Dummer, mm-hmm. who is, you know, a Geordie and has got Welsh heritage. 
who's kind of not come through the system but also has also not shown a huge amount of commitment when he's got there at the other end. Um, and it's difficult because there have been some examples of that, like people who've kind of been drafted and who've kind of, at a time, done a job for us. Like Steve Morrison is the one that kind of like stands out in my mind. I mean, I wouldn't want him there every week by any stretch of the imagination, but at the time he kind of did a job, so it wasn't the end of the world. Um, but I, what I'm trying to say is that I think bringing these people, like kind of flying these people in, is not a long term road to success. And I guess in certain areas, we've kind of felt the need that we have to, mm. like looking at Kiefer Moore is, is a good one because we need a striker. Um, and then we've also got James Lawrence, who we've kind of flighted mm-hmm. in, but all of a sudden he seems he seems bang up for it. Yeah, but he but that, I think that's the key is like he's come in, he learnt the, he learnt the anthem, yeah. he's, you know, he's made an effort. I think if you're coming in with that approach and you clearly want to contribute, I have less issue with it than yeah. the dumbets of the world that can't seem to decide what the hell's yeah. level of involvement he wants. Yeah. And he, he's going to, at some point, it's, you're either in or you're not. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah. I think, like I said, I just don't want this to be a long term policy, if you like. Where and I don't, just I don't think, I don't in. think it is. Yeah. Um, and it would be interesting to see if what sort of rate we're doing that versus what we've done historically as well because it feels like we're developing more from the age groups now than we have previously perhaps not in the last perhaps not in the last sort of generation because you look at you know that strong side that lost to England in the in the playoffs um what would it be 12 10 12 years ago now um, so they, a lot of those lads have tracked through from that age group. From the 21s, yeah, you mean, Los yeah, England, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, whereas, but equally, we, we haven't had an under-21s team. That's also for, true. You know, if we'd have been Until doing this podcast yeah. 20 years ago, we didn't have an under-21s yeah. team. Um, so on that basis, I think we seem to be using our age groups well. Uh, so it's a good balance. I think it's a good balance. Yeah. I think we'd be naive to... We'd, it would be yeah we'd be naive if we weren't open to the grandmas from Tom Grinlice. Yeah, uh, I just wouldn't wouldn't want that to be our main policy. or only or, or, or you know the mainstay of the policy yeah. of how we how we no, develop I t- players. I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. Um, so to look at the the opposition, mm-hmm. uh, my my pilsner I'm, my homework. <laughs> you just put your beer down on red pilsner <laughs> instead of said homework, which says a lot. Um, my homework, uh, I spent a bit of time watching highlights of the Croatia and Hungary games mm-hmm. thus far. Um, before before we get there, of the of the twenty eight, who do you think will get cut? I to make would the 23? cut Ben Williams, Johnny Williams, but obviously on the proviso of what I said about uh, Dan James's involvement. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Levitt and George Thomas, I think, is the five that I wouldn't take. I think it's it's a tough one because looking at the list again, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We've got ten defenders on that mm-hmm. list, so I'd expect a few more of them to be cut than not. I think. George Thomas won't go. I think Dylan Levitt, like you say, won't go. Um, and I think 
that Rodden won't go. Mm-hmm. I think Ben Williams won't go. Uh, I don't want to say Johnny Williams. But I think it'll be a toss-up between Williams, Matondo and Woodburn. Mm-hmm. And I say Matondo obviously because of what happened and we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. later. But um, Johnny Williams is in a lot of good form. He's going to be confidence. He's going to be absolutely sky high. Would you want someone in like that compared to A, Woodburn who's not played a competitive game for yeah. ages Matondo who you know he is getting some game time at Schalke but not loads if it were me I would take Williams over those mm-hmm. two it's got a lot to do with the fact that I love him but <laughs> that's what I would do I also just don't see a value in taking 10 defenders no I think I'd probably have Tom Lockyer off my list in there as well so yeah that's up, true actually maybe Lockyer yeah that's true actually that's a good show um it's difficult, isn't it? I yeah. think there's a point where you want to keep people involved because you want to keep people involved. Yeah. And I think Woodburn has spent the last 12, 18 months in that let's keep him involved yeah. category. It may be, Maybe he's running out of time in that regard. I don't know. You might be right there. I don't know. It's an interesting one, but he's definitely kind of... The fact that he's kept been kept around Liverpool's first-team squad says that there's a lot of promise there, although he's not in the 23 for no. today's squad. We're recording this on Saturday, ahead of the Champions League final. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. It is a very tough one. I think a lot of it for someone like Matondo or uh, Woodburn and Williams, as you say, might depend Part on the Dan James situation. Part of me would quite like them to make a point to Matondo. Yeah. Based on what happened on Do that Do you want to air- talk about that now? We might we're as well. While we're do- based on what happened on that aeroplane. Um, I think you reach a point where we've talked a lot about how we, we respect the players and value their behaviour and enjoy the fact that we're not a headline-grabbing bunch of lads. And clearly he stepped out of line and behaved in a way he shouldn't have done. Don't know a lot of details, but just, you know, what has been said. Yeah. If that's true, is clearly unacceptable. So part of me would kind of like someone to... Prove a point. Put, prove a point. But you've got to do it carefully. Yeah. And you'd you have don't to... don't want to piss him off. Exactly. You've got, to, you've got to understand the psychology of, a, of, uh, of your individual players and how you best approach yeah. that. And perhaps taking him and having some time with him and talking it through with him might be a better way of dealing with it. Um, but I hope someone does say something. I'm not sure they will. If, yeah. if anyone has missed what has happened, he was on a, an EasyJet flight after the Portugal training camp with a few friends. From what I've read of the situation, an air stewardess told him to put his seatbelt on on the flight. He made some kind of, kind of comment, and she said, if you don't know how to put your seatbelt on, then we've got bigger problems. <laughs> At which point... He called her a stupid slut, I think was the word that he used, allegedly. Um, so if that is true, and Wales, the FAW, sorry, did come out and say, you know, we are invested, you know, we are aware of this situation where we will be kind of internally dealing with it. So maybe that will be the situation. The, the weird thing for me is every kind of interview I've seen with him, he seemed kind of like a very yeah. shy, quiet boy. So this kind of seemed very out of character, but I suppose you don't, you know, you never really... No, mm-hmm. he was with a group of his mates, so maybe he was just kind of being egged on. I mean, yeah. he's eighteen after all. We've all done and said stupid things when we were eighteen, and unfortunately, 
it's not unfortunate that he's got caught. It's unfortunate that he said it, but um, I don't know. He just didn't strike me as that kind of boy. No, so. but you, like you say, we all do silly things, yeah. stupid things, and obviously his stupid things are in the public eye. Yeah, that's true. And he has to be aware of yeah. that. So no, you're right. Maybe maybe that will be a kind of a message that has been that might get kind of dealt mm-hmm. to him. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. To uh, to to move on and look at the actual the games themselves, mm-hmm. um, I've done a bit of digging and, like I say, I'm watching a bit of Croatia and Hungary. Obviously, Croatia are missing Rebic and Rakitic, um, which is a big plus for us. Rebic has kind of been their goal mm-hmm. scorer, and obviously Rakitic um, plays for Barca and has won everything. Um, Rakitic has kind of been playing almost as a number ten for them, um, so his loss does open up a few interesting questions. In the game that um, Croatia played the other day, admittedly it was a friendly, but Modric sort of played Mm -hmm. in that number 10 role. Um, And watching the highlights of the Hungary game, he certainly seemed fairly advanced and kind of roving. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But they are quite an ageing team. Mm -hmm. um, And they definitely look slow at the back. And I think um, they look a little bit vulnerable at set pieces which is ironically how Hungary got both of their goals. Um, I think they are just not quite the team they were, with like Mandzukic also mm-hmm. retiring, uh, amongst others. Um, it's going to be a tight game, but it's a game I really, really think, God, that we can win. <laughs> I think we're capable of winning it. Um, I mean, I think we'll probably end up with a... A rather doer and dull draw, actually, and yeah. I'd probably settle. Oh, I'd snap for that. for that right now. Settle for that. Um, I think that well, if you look at the Hungary game, they had way more possession than the Hungarians, yeah. and yet the Hungarians went down. They came back, as you say, got two goals, set pieces. So, you know, maybe this is a case for having someone like Dan James or or Wilson, or even Johnny Williams, like running at them and drawing some drawing some free yeah. kicks or running at them and getting clearances for corners and things so that we can we can press on the set piece on the set pieces. Then that means we actually have to make something of our corners, which yeah. again does not seem to be a speciality. I don't want to talk about, about corners again. <laughs> um, so, you know, on that basis like you say, they're a good team, but they're not as good as they were 12 months no. ago. And I think if you look at the team, the, the players they've missed from that, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously Mandzukic not being there will be a big loss for them. And depending on what day in the Champions League final, you know, Lovren, goodness knows where his head might mm-hmm. end up being. Um, so, but they, I mean, they still have got good players like that. Uh, still back, uh, good players behind them still, mm-hmm. people like Kovacic. Who, who's obviously playing for Chelsea. Um, and they do like to pack the midfield. They seem to play yeah. four at the back and pack the midfield, um, which is where our, if we go a slightly more sort of wing-back option, that might be important as well to, to really stretch them yeah. stretch them across the, across the field too. Um, I think it's going to be interesting how we set up there because, I mean, the other kind of striking forward... Uh, striking option, sorry, has been Kramerich, who I don't know whether people might remember. He moved to Leicester a few years ago. As I think he was some like some, a big money signing, um, 
from somewhere else. <laughs> um, I want to say a Croatian team. I assume a Croatian team. Um, but he really didn't do well there. Mm-hmm. And and has kind of been a bit nomadic since then. And his, and his kind of career goals record, I've just Googled it now, um, isn't kind of setting the world on fire. Rijeka was the team. I, I'm sure I've said that wrong. R-I-J-E-K-A. I think they're a Croatian team. He's got 37 in 42 games for them. That's what got him his move to Leicester. He's got right. two goals there. He, the season after, he went to Hoffenheim on loan and scored five. But since then, oh, I've said that. Oh, God, I've not done my research probably here at all. He scored 45 goals in 98 games for Hoffenheim. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually not bad now I've mugged him off. But I, from what I, you know, he's certainly not a. He's still, you know, I can't see him going somewhere and scoring a trick. Um, I, that means he's going to do it now. <laughs> my point is, whilst I'm waffling here, is that he's he's certainly not a massive goal threat. And I think that if we were to play five at the back, I feel like that might be a bit of a waste. Mm-hmm. I would much rather us play four at the back and kind of pack the midfield a bit and let them push wide. Um than let them have kind of space in midfield because they are going to dominate possession so we need to kind of be able to close that down at source I feel rather than I agree that's why I'm concerned about going at five at the back because of what that means for personnel in midfield and they as you say they're going to be possession based they pack the midfield and if we've got less to start with to go round we're just making it harder for the guys that are there um so I, as I've said already, I would I would basically stick with the the team we put out in in March, uh, and and take our chances really at yeah. the back. I I I think I would go with the same back line in terms of goalkeeper and back four. Um, I think I would start with Alan Smith and Volks, almost like a three holders, and have. Um, Brooks is a more traditional winger mm-hmm. and James is a more traditional winger to help pack the midfield a little bit more uh-huh. uh, and basically tell Bale to play up front but basically do what you want me right. because I think that offers us a real threat out wide and that, that pace is something mm-hmm. that I think won't suit Croatia and equally it balances our midfield quite well and closes down a lot of space where people like Kovacic, Modric mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lad who plays for Inter Milan whose name I can't remember who in those spaces that they like to operate in almost have like our three have one of their three each, each. Um, and then we still possess the wide pacey the wide threat. threat okay interesting um, but what do I know no I can see I can see merit in that for this game um, because let's face it a draw would be a good result yeah absolutely um, so we can't go into it Gun ho either um, so yeah i can I can see some merit in more of a sort of four four three two one yeah kind of setup yeah with those, yeah. those two being a bit deeper me yeah and I, I don't know I don't know it'll be interesting i as I said that's what I meant when I was talking about earlier kind of Ramsey missing not mm-hmm. being actually the end of the world because it almost forces us into making a making a different decision if you know what I mean uh, and that, in that instance, mm-hmm. would be someone probably Volks, I guess, dropping into a more kind of central, yeah. a more defensive midfield setup, I guess. Because um, Matty Smith can push on as well yeah, if you if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, I would I would tend to put him at the 
point of that trio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think I think a draw there would be a good result. I mean, I don't know. I do think we can win. I, I do think the way that their weaknesses are perfectly played into mm-hmm. for our strengths. Um, so I do think we can win that game. I'm not saying we will, but I think we've got a chance. Oh, I definitely think we've got a chance. Just if, if I was betting on it, I'd probably be going for the draw. Yeah, I think I'm, I, I, we both did a little uh, thing for uh, that I we're going to do a, an article on the, on the build-up to this game. Uh, and we both did a little thing. I said one one, mm-hmm. which I do think is true. I, I think we can. I do think we can nick it. Mm-hmm. And if we do, it'll be one nil. But I think it will be one one. I can't see them not scoring. Okay, I went for nil nil. So you know, we agreed on something, which <laughs> means it definitely won't be a draw. <laughs> um, to look at Hungary, as I am aware that we are waffling on a solid amount as usual. Um, Hungary are a team of kind of relative unknowns. I've got their lineup uh, here after I was watching the highlights of the other game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tamas Kadar is pretty much the only name of the starting lineup that I recognise from the game against Croatia because he used to play for Newcastle <laughs> okay. and he got released. You got a little bit of an in there. Yeah, so if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know. To be fair, he was actually a good player. He was quite, he was quite good in the air and he was decent with the ball at his mm-hmm. feet. Um, but never kind of got, the, got, got able to make the, the step up. Um, at the time, I think we were quite well off at the back with people like Colacini playing who was actually a good centre half in Newcastle which very rarely happens um, but all of the other players I literally have never heard of nor would I even want to try and say any of their names to be perfectly honest um, but having watched some of the highlights of their games they are they reminded me a lot actually of how we played when we qualified for Euro 2016 they're quite fast mm-hmm. they play on the break um, especially in wide areas. They look a bit of a threat at set pieces because they were quite physical. Um, and they like to defend very, very narrow. And I think they like to let people cross the ball in on the basis that they feel confident working, uh, being able to head it out. Right. Um, which, again, reminds me of, of us mm-hmm. in, in a way back then. So whilst we don't really know any of their players... I do think they have a very good set way of playing, which will be hard to break down. And even though we'll be the away side in Hungary, I fully expect us to have more of the ball than them. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, as we were talking about their game with Croatia, they're, they're clearly dogged. Yeah. They're hard to break down. You look at the you know the amount of possession Croatia had and still only got one goal against them. Um, as you say, they're, they're threatening from set pieces. Um, they've, They've got a, a, quite a stable back four, um, so on that on that premise, they're used to playing with each other and they're used to handling good players. Um, so I think they, I think they might be hard to get a result against. Actually, I'm also a little bit worried given the proximity of, of the two games. We'll be putting a lot on the line in Saturday's game against Croatia. We don't do well in double headers although you know statistically we should but we don't um we've also got a couple of players um brooks and allen already on yellow cards yeah and i can see 
I can see us potentially losing both of them for Tuesday's for game. game. Um, That's it. They have a game themselves on the Saturday, though. Mm-hmm. They're playing Azerbaijan away. So it's not just as, they, as though... They're playing once. They're playing once and they can kind mm-hmm. of rest people. They'll be in a similar situation to us. I have no idea what the situation is with them and yellow cards. Um, They've got That means some real travel for them as well, doesn't it? If they're coming yeah. back from, from there from Baku, for a game, yeah. on, game on the Tuesday. Whereas, I mean, we've got travel, but it's relatively short yeah. comparatively. Um, I just, I think the hungry game is a lot harder to read, I feel, because I think gigs will look to make more changes in that game. Um being conscious of the proximity of two um, of two close t- two close international games and the drain that that puts on players, potential, you know, some of them are definitely are, are definitely going to be carrying injuries that we don't know about just because of the nature of where we are in the season. Yeah. Potential of a couple of yellow cards turning into a, a missed game. I think we might have quite a different eleven going out against the Hungarians. I think that's a fair shout. I think. I expect us to play in a different way. I, I think our, our uh, view and kind of assessment of Hungary, I think we're basing it more on the fact that they beat Croatia than we are Perhaps. their no, that's kind a, of skills. Yeah, do you know yeah what no, I mean? that's, a, that's a fair comment. And I think like they've lost to Slovakia 2-0, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it was in Slovakia. Um, but I would say we saw off Slovakia relatively comfortably. For a 1-0, it was relatively comfortable. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know they did have, you know, a couple of chances, but we could have scored mm-hmm. three as well. So I, I think, I also think there's a slight feeling, uh, personally anyway, that we might be giving Hungary a little bit too much credit on the basis of one good result. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you've got to be good to beat Croatia, uh, Croatia the team, the last, you know, the runners-up of the World Cup. Um, But... I don't know. I, I think the big thing will be whether, I guess, Allen especially or Brooks gets a yellow card and misses the next game because we really, really <laughs> would miss Allen. I think uh, Brooks, relatively speaking, again, I know he's very good, but he's replaceable. Someone like Wilson could come in or do mm-hmm. do something or Lawrence or however we kind of set up. But I agree. I think we'll have a different eleven and certainly be set up in a much more uh, variable way, mm-hmm. I guess, against Hungary. Yeah. Yeah, I can just see it being one of those frustrating games where we have lots of possession, control the game, even as the away team, and still it turns out to be a 1-1 draw. I think we're going to win 2-0. Mm-hmm. I think we'll get an early goal like we did against Slovakia, and I think they'll have to come out and attack us a bit because they will. I feel like they will be targeted in the way that we're looking at this. We have a good chance to win away. Mm-hmm. I think they will be targeting this. Of this is a home game. We have to win if we want to come second in the group. Yeah. So they will have to come and have a go at us a bit. They couldn't just sit back and go for a draw. I think they would have to come out at us a bit. Um, so I see us scoring early, and then when they are kind of throwing the kitchen sink at us, us getting one on the break, mm-hmm. kind of late on. So I'm going for a two 0 win. Okay. You're sticking with 1-1. Yeah, I just it feels like one of those frustrating games in the making for a host of reasons. And I'd, I'd much rather as obviously win one and lose one than end up with two draws. It doesn't help us usually when no. we draw a lot of games. The only thing I think about that is is that I'm not sure, given the circumstances, 
how I'm not saying I wouldn't prefer. Mm. I'd prefer obviously I'd prefer three points than two. I, I think it depends how those two or three points came around. If mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I think if we lost to Croatia and beat Hungary, I wouldn't be that bothered about that. I think if we beat Croatia and lost to Hungary, it lets another team yeah be in the in the mix in the mix. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I, I think it is so close, and it is going to be so close. I think the fact that they were two away games, and if we drew them, might not. That might not be the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be bothered if we drew both games, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I appreciate that that's not a yeah a sensible thing to say. Yeah. Well, there's a group of us on three points at the minute, isn't there? Um, Slovakia have this is the this is the weekend of games where they only play the one, and it also depends how Hungary do in Azerbaijan. You know, if they don't get a good result out there and then they come back a bit smarting you know they might be more up for it whereas if they've got a nice comfortable win out there I think what's difficult as you say is that all the group, all the teams are on three, three points point, yeah. obviously we've got a game in hand the what the point I was trying to make I guess is that I think I would still expect Croatia to go on and be one of the two strongest teams mm-hmm. in this group I would much rather us draw two games than beat Croatia and, lose to, and lose to Hungary because then and I know that sounds a stupid thing to say but then Hungary are much more in the mix and considering as you say they've gone to it they'll be going to Azerbaijan mm. let's say for argument's sake they come back from that with three points you know if they take six points from that and we took three appreciate we still have a game in hand but then there's still three sides who are really battling away and I don't think we want that mm-hmm. because that is something that happened in the last group and that didn't obviously work out yeah. for us. Um, so I, personally, I would rather we draw two games than win one, lose one, should the one we lose be to Hungary. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can understand that. Um, because I know too many draws did for us in the last group, but the too many draws were against teams we should have beaten. And at home as well. Yeah. Like we should, we were 1-0 up against Serbia, drew that. 1-0 up against Georgia, Georgia drew that. Um should have beaten Ireland away. I know we, Neil Taylor got sent off. We had a draw there. Then we drew in Serbia after being 1-0 up. We drew with uh, Austria after being in the lead in that game twice. So in this instance, I don't think two draws is quite the same as mm-hmm. the five or so or whatever we had in the, in the last group. Um, but I don't know. As you say, it is just so close at the minute. Mm-hmm. And there's so much going on that it is very, very difficult to... To choose, well, obviously, I know I'll choose how I want to get six points, but how, how realistically you think yeah. it might kind of pan out. Um, do you have anything else to add on this uh, on the on the Wales situation? I don't think we so. Are we about there on that one? I think so. Well, let's move the conversation on a little bit. In that case, sorry, what did you say your prediction was going to be? You said. I'm going for nil nil and one one. Nil nil one. Okay, I'm yeah. going one one and two nil. Um, so there's your there's your bets made, everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, running the other direction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, there's two more things we want to talk about fairly quickly as we want to watch the Champions League final. Um, was the Newport game first of all? Um, it was a very very tough and competitive game against Tranmere in the playoff final. I don't think either were the better team. Mm-hmm. I think it was. I think nil-nil was a fair kind of shape on things. Although 
I did think Newport were very, very unlucky not to get a penalty with Jamil Matt. Yeah, it's just an odd scenario for my mind. If you're fouled, you're fouled. What happens next yeah. should be, is after the event, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me how that was adjudicated. No. I think that the logic from what I've read was is that he was fouled in the process of passing to someone who was offside, so sort of both fouls occurred at the same time. But, I've, I mean, I've never heard that rule. No. Um, and if you're fouled, you're fouled. It doesn't matter if someone's offside afterwards. Um, but what had happened if the... I can't remember who the player was that was offside, but what, hap- what would have happened if he hadn't touched the ball, for example? What if he hadn't been part of the play? You, you know, your, your process with yeah. putting the flag is you don't flag until someone's got... Active. Yeah, he's active, has got possession, is involved in the game. What if he'd not got involved? What if he'd realised, I'm offside, and he lets the ball I'm going to let legs. the ball Yeah, go. it was Mark O'Brien, I think, because then yeah, he hit the post be. afterwards in a yeah. shot. Um, I agree. I, it was a very odd decision. Mm-hmm. And I think my gut feeling was that that late in the game, the, the, the ref didn't want to be the one making a decision which decided the game. Mm-hmm. was my personal yeah. gut feel on the whole yeah. thing. Um, and of course, Jamil Matt himself had a chance uh, not long before that, I think, where the keep, where he's, where he's basically beaten the keeper and the keeper's poured it back onto the post, hit the keeper again and and then kind of gone out of play. That was their one yeah. chance. They had to chance. score that, yeah. really, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't want yeah. to lose sight of all the positive stuff that's happening, where you consider what, where they were two years ago. Yeah. On the budget that they have... Relative, Third lowest budget yeah, in League Two. Relative to where they are now and everything good that's happened along the way. No, that's very true. Um, I think it would be sad if that got kind of lost yeah. in that one moment at, at Wembley. I just felt like it was just such a heartbreaker because yeah. to get through that, I mean, they, they lost one of their last 13 games and yeah. it just so happened to be the, the one crucial. that they didn't want to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, that, you know, that it kind of, I felt like the script was kind of written a little bit with the penalties in the previous game and... <laughs> You know, when they'd gone down to 10 men, even you didn't really feel like there was a huge. No, there difference. wasn't a huge difference between the two teams. Tranmere looked a lot more potent on the break. Um, and, it, you know, we're talking about this like Tranmere didn't have a kick. I mean, they definitely had their chances. Norwood had a chance in the first half, which he hit straight at Joe Day. Um, I don't know. It just felt, to me, going through watching that game, it felt different to me. Mm-hmm. And then obviously when it happened, with you know the 119th minute of 120 is just it's horrible it's absolutely sickening yeah, really isn't it? it's horrible um as you say you know it has been a good season relatively when you think of everything that they've they've achieved for the cup run again mm-hmm. for the second year in a row um as well as obviously getting into the playoffs on the last day and everything else there's a lot of players out of contract mm-hmm. and there's a few people that they've started to sign back up and yeah. go through that and process. And a few people that have moved as well. Though. Well, that's the thing. I, I saw uh, Sheehan signed up and who was the other one I saw? O'Brien, signed I Oh, Mark O'Brien signed yeah. up. Um, but Dan Butler has gone up a level to mm-hmm. play for Peterborough in League One, which is a great move for him. Um, but I feel he'll be a big loss mm-hmm. for Newport. And I hope that there's not... You, can, you could afford to lose one or two um, and I'm sure there's probably one or two Fellini is probably happy to let go but there's also one or two you don't want to lose and I would have put Mark O'Brien on the list mm-hmm. of um, Dan Butler sorry on, on the list of someone you didn't right. want to lose um, so I hope that 
there's not too many more of them mm-hmm. and, and the others kind of get signed up in due course and you kind of I don't know can push on again for next year it must be so tough and it's such a long window that it's open for yeah. isn't it like you could think you're dealing with this scenario of whatever it is 25 players come mid-August it could be a very different yeah, 25 exactly and you really wouldn't want to lose the kind of the core of the squad mm-hmm. and you know the ex- experience they've had of staying up on the last day two years ago and you know the cup run last year and this year and now the playoffs and the playoff final you wouldn't want to kind of break up the core of that squad obviously David Pipe my hero <laughs> is uh, he's retired um, as well and obviously Fraser Franks uh, has had to retire due to his I think it was a heart issue right. um, so it's you know it's already a few kind of slipping away so you hope that there's not too many more mm-hmm. to, and, and kind of break up the core of that squad um, Amond would be the one I would worry about mm-hmm. as well because I think he is more than capable of getting goals in, in yeah. League One he must be drawing some attention I'd imagine yeah. so Um and Jamil Matt again, you know, he's big, strong, physical lad. He's got very good feet. His his hold up play for his teammates, I thought, has been excellent uh, the, the, the times I've seen him this year. And he's very, very fast. Um, so, you know, they're people who again might draw attention. You'd hope they they don't, but they might. Um, so yeah, I hope they kind of keep the core of that squad together because if they do, they've got a great opportunity to again push on playoffs, etc. Um, for next season so fingers crossed Um, we also need to talk about the Swansea situation very briefly and I say need to need to is maybe the wrong word because nothing's really happened no Um, but the main two names that I keep trying to see and banded around are Coleman and Cam Toshak and I mean I'm not a Swansea fan Mm -hmm. but I would want neither of those two people to manage my football club. Okay, why is that? Well, I love Chris Coleman. I mean, we've named our podcast after (laughs) him. But I think his club management record isn't great. Mm -hmm. I think you'd you'd be appointing him on on an emotional level rather than a footballing one. Um, And I know he does, he is capable of playing good football as Wales did in, you know, 2016, for example. But I also don't think that's his... It's not his DNA, and butter, is, is it? it? It's not his yeah. style. Yeah. Um, and I heard a brilliant analogy listening to a different podcast, the Peter Crouch podcast, which I would highly recommend. <laughs> Actually, it was very funny. Um, who a manager, and I can't remember who it was now, said there were two types of players. Uh, it was Tony Pulis, um, a ham and egger, who was your, just your basic <laughs> run of the mill, your everyday defender who could do everything else, and your fancy players who were your tip tap Charlies. <laughs> uh, who later he went on to extend the analogy to someone who carried the piano and then people who played the piano. <laughs> and as much as I love Chris Coleman, historically I would say he has got more piano carriers or ham and eggers than he does tip tap Charlies mm-hmm. or pianists in his squad. And I think that that is the opposite of what Swansea want. Yes. Um, and what they have as well. Actually. Yeah, and maybe not opposite because that's that's harsh. But it sort certainly, you know, because he is capable of playing that style of football. He just traditionally hasn't. Mm-hmm. And I get the whole thing about Cam Toshak. I, I, I don't know. I, personally, I feel like if his second name wasn't Toshak, so many people would be a lot less interested in him. Mm-hmm. He's people have banded him around as like the savior of the under twenty threes. He's not even their manager. He's like a coach at the end of the 23s. And I know he's got a bigger role in the club and everything. But I to give someone their first role as a manager 
at this stage of their career and everything, as a championship manager, it's a huge gamble. Mm-hmm. Just because he's brought through all these players and is a very good coach, and he clearly is a very good coach, it doesn't mean he's going to be a good manager. If his second name was Jones rather than Toshak, I honestly don't think anyone would be mentioning him. And it stinks to me a little bit that the club might give it to him on the basis that it'd be cheap. Mm-hmm. It'd quite possibly be a yes man. Um, and it's basically the easiest option. And whilst I wrote a blog where I tried to kind of break down a little bit the sign of a little slight delusions I felt that some of the Swansea fans have had with me in terms of who they think should, could and should be the next manager. I think to then go for someone like Cam Toshak is then this so far the other end of the mm-hmm. scale that I just don't understand it. So who would you like to see? I mean, realistically, I would go for the Cowley brothers on the basis that they do try and play football. They have to be a bit more direct because mm-hmm. they've been playing in League Two. They've got Lincoln promoted two tiers out of two difficult divisions to get out of. And apparently they're in talks with West Brom, mm-hmm. which hasn't helped. But they've obviously got a solid backbone. They turned down Reading, apparently, early, mm-hmm. earlier in the year. Um because their philosophy didn't fit with the players they had and stuff. Imagine managing a League Two club and turn down a championship <laughs> club on principle. I think that's amazing. And, and I think, so for me, I appreciate if their head's been turned a little bit by West Brom, then mm-hmm. that changes the circumstance a little bit. Um, I haven't got loads of other options for you. I think I would be, I'd be looking at those mm-hmm. two personally. Um, I've heard a lot of other people mentioned uh, as well. Darren Moore is someone whose name has been mm-hmm. in the paper a little bit, but I don't, you know, he did a good job at West Brom, I thought, while he was there, but I'm not sure whether he fits the kind of Swansea, Swansea, Swansea way. way sort of thing. I'd, I've not seen enough of West Brom to know. Mm-hmm. So, Whereas the Cowley brothers, I've seen and read enough of them. Where I Yeah, they've the been playing years, proper football, yeah. even down in that division, yeah. haven't they? I don't get me wrong, they've had to go direct in some mm-hmm. games and make it a bit of a battle because you're trying to get promoted at the end of the day. And they've managed to blend those two things really, really well. They would be the top of my list. Mm-hmm. And even they're a bit of a gamble. I suppose anyone's a bit of a gamble if you're looking to play a certain kind of way and that you're trying to basically bring someone from lower league through or lower leagues mm-hmm. through. Um, I, I, wonder, I wonder whether they look to the continent again. I mean, possibly. Because um, they've got a history of not being frightened of foreign managers. I think it's foreign managers that play the right way because mm-hmm. not all, not many of those appointments worked out particularly. I think. No, it's fair. No, yeah, yeah, maybe. Souser, Carvajal. I know uh, uh, the lad who won the trophy. What a great name! What is oh, uh, Loudrup? Obviously, he did very <laughs> the well. Lad the lad that won the trophy. I've had a brain fart. <laughs> I said Pilsner instead of something else. There. Um, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know enough uh, what managers mm. are kind of available and everything in terms of um, the football they play. Mm-hmm. I just hope for Swansea fans. And again, you know I say this all the time. I would love to be wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and Cam Toshak comes in and gets the job and he gets them promoted. You know, I'd be I'd be very very happy for Swansea. I just don't see it. And I think there's something very very different about being involved in an under twenty three setup, pressure wise. You can lose five games in a row there and ultimately no one yeah. really cares. Um, and you can do it very, you could almost do it very deliberately if that's developmentally what you're looking for, yeah. which you can't do with the first exactly. team. Yeah. And I and I think everything changes. And I and I just don't think 
you're capable of being the same manager with the under 23s as you are when you get to the senior squad. It's a, to me, it's a bit of a mess that, that how long this is rumbling on as well, because you know, my to compare it with Newcastle, we're having this takeover saga and Rafa still hasn't signed because he's waiting to see what's going mm. on. But ultimately, the transfer window closes earlier this year, and every week that goes by now is a week less where you can sign players and, yeah. and you know your plans change week by week. Um, and I feel like the longer it goes on, the more of a stab in the dark it's going to be for the Swans. And then, of course, you're left with a shorter off-season to solve your problems, get players off the wage bill, who does the man of manager fancy, who doesn't he, who does he want to get in, what sort of players do you want, blah, blah, blah. I just feel like whatever happens, it needs to be sorted quickly. Sorry, I rambled and talked a lot no, there. No, can't disagree. It feels like it's getting messier rather than less, doesn't it? I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, the final thing that we want to talk about is the Wales women. They are playing New Zealand at Leckwith Stadium on Tuesday at the moment. Uh, around about 1,600 tickets have been sold, I think, which is which is not bad. Mm-hmm. It's a small ground. Um, what is interesting is that First of all, Jess Fishlock and Ihara James, neither of which are in the squad. Um, Jess obviously has been back and forth, mm-hmm. um, and apparently Ihara James uh, booked a holiday before the game got booked, <laughs> um, which <laughs> which I think is great. Um, they're playing New Zealand, who this morning beat England one mm-hmm. 0 and that really raised an eyebrow with me. Yeah, yeah, they're a good side. They are. Yep. Obviously, very, very much geared towards preparing for the for the Norway game, mm-hmm. um, and they beat Norway when they played them two one as well. I think we referenced that on the last pod. So, I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting game. Yeah, though. no, I think it'll be a tough game, for yeah. us, particularly when you consider who we're missing. Yeah, because um, no team would want be one would want to be without Jess. No, um, I can understand why she's not going back. She's only just got to Seattle after yeah. all. Um, so certainly for a friendly, I, I can't see any reason yeah. to, to bring her back, unfortunately. Um, but, and particularly when we look at how we've been playing recently and the complete impossibility of scoring goals, we're in a tough position yeah. going against a tough opposition um, who are obviously on form, are gearing up for the World Cup. They've They'll have players who are pushing hard to yeah. get their places in starting 11s and that sort of thing. So um, I think it could be a really tough game for us. I agree. The only thing that gives me, I wouldn't say hope, but maybe changes things is perhaps they won't play their strongest side as they did against England. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity maybe for some of their squad players yeah. to get in the squad or uh, uh, get in the first team side mm-hmm. around the squad ahead of the World Cup. So yeah. that might make it a slightly different game, perhaps. Yeah, they're playing a sort of A-and-a-half team, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I can't imagine that ahead of a World Cup, you'd play your first team against England, and then, what, five days later? Yeah. Four days later? Then go and play your best team again in another friendly. So close to the World Cup. So mm-hmm. that's the only thing there that does kind of change the situation, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. yeah, it might suit them for it to be more of a run-out for the... Not the entire second tier, but the the fringe, yeah. the fringe starters. I, um, I wonder whether they might put Tash up front finally, given the difficulty we seem to have yeah. with scoring goals. Um, maybe it's just like at some point you've got to try it. Yeah, I agree. I think whether it's this game 
mm-hmm. I is the one I would question. But that said, with Jess not playing, you, you're going to need someone in a more forward role to kind of fill that spot. So maybe Tash might be someone who can step, you mm-hmm. know, push up the pitch uh, from instead of being left back, basically, as she has been for the last few weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's a good point. It's a good chance for her, perhaps. Um, I just really hope we score. Yeah, well, I mean, I that's... need that monkey off our back. I, I agree. I think it's... I think with the qualifiers only, what... They'll be eight, nine Two weeks months, away yeah. um, to have gone so long without hitting the back of the net. Yeah. It's it's concerning. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I did see that the Wales homeless team uh, will be part of their opening training session which the, the day before the game, which is great. And I also saw Hayley Ladd has left Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully she's got something lined up and she's got a new club just around the corner. No, I'm sure she has. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine she'll long before someone's showing some interest in that um the homelessness world cup sounds like it's going to be a cracking event doesn't it looking forward to seeing the coverage absolutely even my mum's been interested in that (laughs) she rang when i spoke to the other day she was telling me i was like good look at you (laughs) uh anyway that's very off topic um we have had a few requests uh, to talk about a few different things, so thank you for everyone who sent us a message about those. We're going to do a preview on the Welsh teams who are playing uh, in Europe this year uh, as part of a summer podcast we're going to do, as well as a full preview of the women's qualifying groups as well. So thank you very much for everyone who sent us questions and messages. We will include those uh, in our summer podcasts. I th- just wanted to say... Uh, Obviously, we heard very sad news uh, last week about Dan James and his family, so our thoughts are with their family, but also heard today that Jose Antonio Reyes, um, who passed away in a car accident, uh, aged only 35. Um, So again, thoughts with him and his family. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.